Welcome to the Sacred Rebels podcast. This is your host, Tay. And co-host, Amy. We're the podcast that fearlessly dives into the depths of holistic healing. Join us as we empower you to embrace your divine journey, confront sexual trauma, conquer addictions, and rise with confidence with life after trauma. It's time to unlock the sacred rebel within and enter a transformative path to self-discovery and healing. We are here to trigger you. By shattering stigmas and questioning societal norms, join us as we explore diverse stories of men and women showcasing that there's not one way to heal and the importance of community. Together, we will navigate the evolving human experience, embracing paths to growth and understanding. Let's Let's heal, heal, baby. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Rebels. Tonight, we have my husband here. I'm very excited to hear his point of view of things about what it's like being married to someone with childhood trauma. And so the conversation is going to be real good, real juicy. But we're going to start off with our big, deep breath first, and then he's going to read our card. One hand on the heart, one hand on the belly. Expel all the energy out. Big inhale through the nose. Fill up, open the heart, hold it at the top, and then exhale, slowly let it go. Enter into the space with an open mind, an open heart. I love that gong so much. Okay, babe, what do you got for us? Abundance. Let me see the card. I'm going to hold it up. Expect abundance, an abundance of good things in all shapes and forms. It seems you found your place in life. You feel at home in your current situation, or even if you don't quite feel at home yet, good things are coming. With the moon as well placed as she is in this card, an abundance of loveliness must surely follow. Remember that abundance follows your frequency. When you draw this card, it suggests you've tapped into the right frequency to match whatever it is you want to achieve. An abundance of good things might include more cash coming into your life, (laughs) or perhaps an abundance of love and good feelings between you and the person you love or the people you love. If you're worried about your financial situation, this is a reminder that you have what it takes to generate the cash you want. If you're wondering about moving house, this card is almost certainly a suggestion to stay where you are for now. If you're asking about a relationship, it appears you and your beloved actually are fairly well suited. Mm, Love that. (laughs) Okay. I feel like that's in the theme of the household lately is just abundance, abundance in all areas expanding also guys shout out dill's the first guy we've ever had on the podcast we Mm -hmm. said this season was going to be the season where we open it up to men and their stories and he's number one kind of unplanned but meant to be i feel like in a way and the first in-person guest yeah in-person guest we've had with our new setup take a look it's beautiful (laughs) first in-person guest of season two because we've just done zoom yeah. And us. Yep. Just Zoom and us. The us show. <laughs> Amy and Tay show. <laughs> well, and all, that's on, what Dylan I calls mean, it, actually. <laughs> honored to give everybody a break from you, too. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, this is daily life for Doe, Daddy Doe. Like, he's he's got his two wives here. So, I mean, this is just us and our antics. Another day in the life of Doe. But mm-hmm. we're really excited to turn the spotlight to my hubs and hear a little bit of his story and how we met and you know he was a drug addict as well we met in heroin anonymous if you guys didn't catch our last reel so babe you ready to share your story like we were at a meeting yeah okay let's hear it um just like a quick one right yeah just like identify yeah yeah so I always partied pretty hard, but I found opiates as soon as I got in the trades. I was How old are you? 20. Okay. And I made it last seven years by having a trade where I could do side work. I worked like 12-hour days, seven days a week, just enough to support my habit and stay high. And I basically spent the whole time alone and worked and when you say you found opiates like was it something did you like have an injury like did you just like were the you rest just of the partying? guys at work were doing it and i tried a piece you know and it was kind of like that extra motivation and boost piece, you know it was a like a piece perfect. of a perk yeah yeah and uh because that's yeah, what they lo- did in the trades i feel like that's what they did back then in the trades like everyone did pills everyone i knew did pills in the trades yeah yeah. Made it fun to be working. Yeah. Um, I made it last longer than most. I feel like, oh, the plane. It's like, <laughs> the airport. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> We're taking off, baby. What's in the air at this place? Um, I didn't have a bunch of stints in rehabs or anything. I made it work for the most part. And it it brought me to my knees multiple times, but it wasn't until I started hurting the people closest to me and the guy I respect and love the most in the world that it really broke me inside good enough to um, go to detox. Which you're talking about your dad, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. When they went to do their taxes, they found some things. And um, yeah, so I went to, uh, I planned on doing like a five day detox and I got lucky and some guys my age came into that detox on a Friday night. I wondered why they were there and why they were so happy, you know, and um, they had some good things to say and I wanted what they had. And I knew if I went home, things Shout out to Nate Mack, if Nate Mack's out there listening. That was the next one. Oh, really? Oh, it was Justin? Justin Reynolds. Justin Reynolds. So I decided to go to rehab instead of leaving the detox. And I spent like a week there and that's when Nate came in. Um... Again, they spoke of things that I didn't know about, and instead of going home, I went to a sober house from there in Dover and was with a bunch of guys in the same situation that were totally normal, respectable, good people that had been through the same, and rather than going home at night after work, I went back to a group of guys that kept me accountable, and as soon as I got up there, I went to a young people's meeting and laid eyes on <laughs> Tay over here. She did not return the favor <laughs> by any means. <laughs> um, oh God. I think it was probably like a week later that she had her friend up from Miami that spotted me. He was a guy <laughs> and wanted to be introduced. So she came up to a mutual friend of mine and 
we met and she did not give me the opportunity to talk to her and get her number in real life. <laughs> um, she Facebook messaged me. I did, you guys. I proud. I think I told this story. Yeah. But, but babe, let's back up a little bit. So while you were in active addiction, you know, you said you found your first perk on the job site at what? Age 20, you said? Yeah. So then how many years did you spend? Seven. Seven years, exactly. So you didn't find your way to recovery until 27. And all the all that time, you know, while using, we talk about this a lot, you were alone, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just... Yeah. It I was think more of like a wanting to function. It wasn't for fun. Yeah. My I, husband, you guys, definition of a functioning addict, I feel like he was very lucky and blessed with a job and a boss who kept giving him opportunity after opportunity. And he was, yeah, really able to pull off the double lifestyle and keep making money to keep getting high so he didn't have to get sick. But in turn, that was really lonely, right? Because you spent a lot of time alone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I was good with that. And then like every other waking minute that I wasn't working, I was exhausting all my energy trying to act normal and keep my normal friends. I didn't have like a crew that was doing the same thing, which is probably a blessing. But um, yeah, I hated every day of it, but I felt like there was no choice. And yeah. I never, for the most part, tried too hard to uh, stop it. Yeah. Why do you think that you um, used for all those years? Was there like an underlying, you know, we talk about a pain point over a traumatic event that had happened in your life that like caused you to use or was it tr purely just like curiosity on the job site? Like guys had pills and then you got physically dependent. Um, yeah, I think so. And I liked it. I mean, when I did steroids, I stopped working out, but I kept shooting steroids because I liked the way it made me feel, mm. you know, basically anything I do it's more of like a everyday like no matter what more so yeah. than like the big getting wicked high yeah consistent you yeah. are a consistent motherfucker I will say that yeah <laughs> but yeah consistency it was, it was dark but um it was a good place to get to because when I did get in recovery I was desperate and broken enough to you know do yeah to like see things for what they were and appreciate small things. When I got with Tay, I didn't have any money. I was living at a sober house. I had a job, I didn't have any tattoos, you know? So like, we always said we would be happy in a cardboard box together, you know? <laughs> we did and we were. Yeah. We were in a barn box. Yeah. We were we in a were. barn box, y'all. We lived in his parent, like in the back of his parents' in-law apartment. I'll never forget it. It was the best years of my life we had our first two children there like we lived there for we made it work for five years and it was the best yeah it was the best yeah it was cute it yeah. was cute and we had us we had his family out front and like we were just surrounded by love and people and support and you know i think that was just really like honestly that was a huge i think that was a huge help for us just being around like family a lot yeah yeah for sure we need a village yeah. Especially when we were expected to fail, you know, Yeah. and die. Oh, yeah. That's like, you know, that's always the thing. Oh, my God, you guys got into a relationship <laughs> yeah. right away. You're like, don't die. do it. You're going to die. You're going to relapse. Die. You're 
you know, rehab romances, right? And and not for nothing, we're going to know, but, like, that does happen where people do, like, connect and rehab and then it doesn't, yeah. it's not yeah. successful, right? We've all, yeah. We've all had those stories. Yeah. But also, you don't know. You never know. You never know. you got to, like, yeah. take chances and, like, who knows I knew. what's going to happen. Tay, I knew. Tay didn't know. <laughs> like, we didn't get together too quick. She was too busy keeping me at uh, arm's length and, you know, being my best bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, how did you know? Like, what made you know? Uh, just the way I felt, you know? Like, I just didn't have any questions. Yeah. You know? Like, as soon as we got together, you started dropping bombs on me all the time, like these truth bombs of things that are, like, life-altering that most people would, <laughs> you know? And I just, I felt like I he never had a choice. I was, one. like, committed yeah, no, I did. I, I think the beginning, obviously, of the relationship, there was some really dark things that I had to tell him, some real personal, intimate things that when you're in a relationship with someone, you should, you know, divulge in them and, and give that that give them that information, and then they get to choose what they do with that, right? And so I think for a long time, I thought whoever I was with, I wouldn't be able to tell them these hard truths because they would leave me or I wasn't worth their love or all these things. And I remember AIM, we had this conversation, and AIM was just like, no, he deserves to know the truth. You have to tell him. And, you know, if you tell him and you just, you never know how he's going to react. So he deserves the truth. And then, you know, you get the response that you are going to get no matter what. And we'll, we'll figure out how we handle it from there. And so we did, I went home and I had like this hard conversation and I sat him down and I was like, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're freaking me out. Like, did you cheat on me? Are you going to break up with me? Like what's going on? Like, you know, and I, and I shared some hard, tr hard truths, not just about like my childhood trauma, but like personal things, intimate things that um, I had never told a significant other before. And so I was really worried. And he, I swear to God, you guys, he just looked at me and he said, that's it. And I was like, yep, that's it. And he just hugged me and he was like, Jesus Christ, you gave me a heart attack for nothing. And I was like, <laughs> what? I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you don't have anything to say? He's like, no, what do you mean? Like, we're in it together and like, we'll figure it out. And I was just like, I think in that moment, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, almost like it's too good to be true almost. And um, so, yeah, but let's go back to that moment, right? Like I divulged some truths to you, but I guess I never was so clear cut in like what had happened. Like I had just said, listen, I have childhood sexual trauma this person that was like a father figure did these things to me and I was never clear. So I want to remind everyone if you're in a relationship with someone and you have, you have some significant trauma, I think it's, I think it's really important to be very clear on what that trauma is because my husband didn't even know the severity of it until last year when I was like going through the motions and EMDR with Brecken and stuff. Like I had called AIM, I remember like so pissed off one day, like he didn't even fucking know. She's like, what do you mean he didn't know? And I was like, he didn't know. Like, do you remember that? Yeah. It was like last summer, I was like, he had no idea, like the severity of it. Like he just didn't fucking know. And well, you used like a broad general statement and my brain naturally wants to see like see the, best the least in things. and the worst, you know. Yeah, you always wanna see it. the good in things, yeah. So I think I think it's very important to note that if you're with someone and you have childhood trauma or any, any type of trauma, I think it's really important to be very clear on what that is, what that looks like, what you're doing to get through it, and all the things. Because I think that was an eye-opener for both of us when we kind of were just like, wait, what? 
Mm. Like, you don't, what do you mean you don't fucking know? You know? And I think the reality, too, is, and, like, for me, like, I was married for so long, so obviously, like, my ex-husband knew a lot of those things, but now going into a new relationship, kind of having to, like, really kind of go through all of that and have that, and especially somebody like me who's done a lot of work for so long, too, that I can kind of just, like, brush things off a little bit more, or I've healed a lot of those things, so it doesn't affect me in a way. Yeah, yeah. But also then, you know, we're just an open book, so we're out here, like, talking about all the (laughs) things. Telling the world, yeah. Telling the world, so, um, but yeah, having that ability to communicate what it is, but then having somebody receive it in a way where you've held shame and guilt on it for so long because mm. it happened to you, but then having it received by somebody is just like, oh, okay, like, that's amazing. It made you who you are. Yeah. Like, it made you who you are, and I love who you are, so. Now it really, here we are. Right, yeah. it really doesn't matter. And the people with trauma, because we've, you know, had these feelings and these shames and these guilts and these inset like all this shit that comes along with our trauma, we're yeah. our own worst enemy. I know. Right? Yeah. Like we do that. We hold ourselves on this thing and then you tell it to other people and they're like, wow, like you made it through that. <laughs> like, wow, like look at everything you're doing. Yeah. And like that was like, and, and then we get received in that way and we're like, I know, I know. <laughs> and it feels so, so like strange. Yeah, it feels so strange and ick where you're like, oh no, like don't do that, you know? So it's like it's like a weird situation, but Or if you're a woman and you think that a man is gonna receive you a certain way because if you're like they're not the right person if they're gonna receive exactly. you in a different way. Which we That's talked about this tonight you, before we came. Yeah, like you have to be willing to share all the shit, all the things, no matter how much ick you feel about yeah. it, because that's the only way you're going to heal. And if yeah, you're choosing, yeah. if you're choosing somebody, that they're going to have to choose you fully too. Yep. And so you can't have that. You have to be able to, if you want to fully be in a relationship with somebody, be open and honest that's about what it, it was. All. I yeah. called AIM and I was like, listen, I've never been honest with a partner. Like, I think Dill deserves the truth, and I, I have never, like, started a relationship off with the truth. It's always started off on a lie, and I, she was just like, yeah, so that's what it needs to be. You need to start it off with the truth, and you need to sit down and tell him everything, and, like, you just need to get uncomfortable, and I was like, you know, panic attack that day, just, like, not well, but he received it so well, and, yeah, you know. Yeah, and if you do find out that's about someone think going forward you need to know that that's your person and you like love them in and out and they can almost do no wrong because there's going to be a lot of times where yeah you know you hardship. need to yeah hardship Tell you're going to have to put them before yourself yeah a hundred percent and those people are out there and it may take you some time to to find the people that are going to like fully accept and love and unconditional yeah that's the word unconditional love people I feel like throw that word around so much but you don't know what unconditional love is until you fully experience someone accepting you for for who you are without trying to change you or gaslight you or manipulate you or change something about you like 
put you down for something that's not necessarily your fault and we'll get or into like that. use it against you or use like, it against oh, you. you're acting that way because of your, your trauma, trauma. you're yes. receiving how i'm treating you because of your the trauma shit you've been your through. filter yeah like yeah. you know and and that can come up too that's definitely you know everybody has but when it's a constant like Oh, like a like a bypass. Like yeah. I get to behave however I get to behave because you're gonna read it through your fucked up filter. Yeah. Like we're not gonna go there. Yeah. Which honestly, like it takes a lot of courage too. I feel like for the survivor, like the trauma survivor, to accept a lot of fault, right? And and accept a lot of. I know I I know how I am. I'm not the easiest to deal with, right? And I, I put my husband through a lot of shit and like we kind of joked about this and he's like, you know, is this gonna be a Tay roast? But I'm like, no, like it has to be his truth and it has to be his version of things, right? Because I feel like you guys hear so much from me and AIM and our trauma and how we dealt with in our relationships and all the dynamics of that. But we never really hear from someone who is married to someone with trauma who's never experienced any type of trauma like that. So. Again, this topic is important. Um, it's not easy, and I'm just gonna try my best, you know, to not internalize things or take things personal because it's your truth and that's how you feel. And we have great communication. Or how I did feel. Or how you did feel. Yep. Yeah. Because it wasn't always like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and that's another. And it isn't now. Yeah, I feel like that's another key point, right? When you're in a for a lot of childhood sexual trauma survivors, it's very hard to be in a committed relationship or it's really hard to give yourself to one person because of the trauma or the program that you have in your mind of like, you're not worthy, you're not lovable, you're not this, you're not that. And so you self-sabotage and you try to pull away from a relationship or you try to, you know, you don't believe that you're worthy of this unconditional love. And so you, you sabotage and I think that's like a big thing. Like you go through phases, right? And this isn't just like trauma survivors. I talked about this today with Brecken, my therapist. And, you know, she she made a really good point because I, 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 of course, always ask her advice and her opinion. And she helped curate some questions that I'm going to read from my phone in a second um, for Dill. But, you know, she made a really good point. And she said, hey, this isn't just about like childhood sexual trauma survivors. This is about every relationship when you're in a long-term relationship, a marriage, when you have children, every single couple goes through a, a part of their relationship where they aren't intimate. Like that's just the ebbs and flows of lives. And, you know, you go through things and you work your way out of them or, you know, you do all these things. So sometimes I feel like I internalize this, this thing and I, and I put so much shame around it. Like, oh, I don't put out enough for my husband or I don't do this or I don't do that. Or my kids are number one priority right now. And really like this is the reality in a lot of people's relationships right now, but people just aren't talking about it. So we're here to talk about it and we're here to get a little uncomfortable <laughs> and, you know, really shed some light on what we do, what we deal with at home. And I think it's just really important. I think it's really important. Yeah. What I think you? it's, yeah, I think it's super important. And I think even as me, my ex-husband was super supportive in yeah. in my healing journey. And as I healed and as that happened, and I think this is also something that, you know, as being like an outsider in the second wife is that you but have to. But also the sponsor, like AIM was my person that I went to to talk about these things 
before I went to my husband. So I feel like that's a big key point too. Yeah. Like, and you Amy, are someone that wouldn't take Dill's advice, but I would take Amy's and they would tell me the same exact thing. Yeah. Like I would be like, Oh wow. Dill said that to me earlier, but I guess I'm hearing it better from you. And then I would come home and I would tell Dill and he'd be like, are you fucking kidding? I literally said that to you this morning. And I'm like, Oh, well, Amy said it better all the time. <laughs> if I told you to drink water in the desert when we were about to you would need to get a phone call from Amy or <laughs> Brecken or whoever check, it is. Let me check with Amy first. Well, it's funny. <laughs> this water safe to drink. <laughs> Alex would say the same thing too about that. Like it was, it's it's something about the approach, and it's just different in yeah. with with relationships and and growing together and and like doing the work together instead of <laughs> you know what's different for you guys is even though it's different, right? When you grow or go through these hardships it's it is separate journey but there's growth in it Mm -hmm. and it's growth together and willingness to grow together not just be like oh it's just your responsibility to do that or just your responsibility to do that you know it's about being parallel in this thing and and the goal is to not grow apart yeah because yeah that that's just what happened with with my marriage is that 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 was what happened there was just like the shift and and I believe you know taking the children in was was a lot and yeah. having Zoe and COVID and and instead of you know growing together you together grew we grew apart and took different paths that's my and biggest fear he went down one path and a new career path and I went into you know what I was doing and it was just a very you know shift of growing apart and going down two different roads yeah and the difference is is that's not what you guys are doing. Yeah. You know? She'll tell me that all the time. And I'm like, you know, just because I'm not doing the things you're doing doesn't mean I'm not growing with you yes. in ways. Which I feel like is another big key topic we should talk about, right? Dill, um, like me and AIM have our beliefs and my husband has his own beliefs. And even though they're not the same, that's okay. I respect his and I never push my beliefs onto him. But it took some time for me to be like, Okay, just because my husband has different beliefs than I do doesn't mean that he still doesn't believe. It's just different in his eyes, and that's okay. Like, we all have to have something to believe in, right? Like, when you come into a program and they say, find something greater than yourselves, he has that. It looks a little different than what mine is, but that's okay. You know, there's there's a respect level to it where, like, I, I respect his approach, and when I come home... And I get so excited about these things. Not always am I perceived greatly, but he always sees that like it's what brings me passion. So he always is like, no, I love what you're doing. And if that's good for you, then that's good for you. And then that's just like what we've agreed to keep it as. Yeah, because it changes often, too. Yeah, it does. For you, (laughs) you know, multi-passionate. But yeah, we talk about it all the time. Me and Aim are multi-passionate. And I have a lot of ventures and a lot of ideas that I like to do. And rabbit holes. And rabbit holes. (laughs) We all know about the rabbit holes. But, um, you know, Dill's Dill's OG supporter. I come home with an idea and he's like, all right, babe, let's fucking do it. Like, at first he'll give me, like, the look. And he'll be like, "Mm," but then, like, you know, he'll come around and he'll be like, Okay, let's fucking do it. Do it. Just do what you need to fucking do. And well, I'm if like, you don't, you're just in your head all day. It's <laughs> too much time to think. I know. True. True. This is true. This is true. Okay, so before we get into the nitty gritty of it, is there anything you want to kind of say before we before I spew off these questions from Brecken? And of course, you guys, we got a lot of questions today on 
the Sacred Rebels page, and we really appreciate so many people reaching out and giving questions for Dill. No? I forgot my notes. Okay, so one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off with the beginning. How did you feel when I, when I, let's go back to last year when you finally kind of realized, like, oh shit, it's a lot more serious than I thought. How did you feel? And what was that like? To be completely honest, I, for one, felt super selfish because I thought you were blowing something up to not more than it was, you know, I could never relate. So it was like, but it seemed like you liked helping everyone and being mm. a part of that. So like, I, you know, you just never told me the details. So I didn't know. And then when I found out, it was like, oh shit, you know, all like the power through it, you know, the old thinking before I didn't know anything. Like, yeah. I felt, um, yeah, mostly just like selfish, you know? So for like, everyone listening, I, when I first told Dill what had happened, I basically just said, listen, I was, you know, sexually molested by a father figure when I was younger. I never like gave him more details than that. And so what he thought was what, like, what did you think I meant by that? I mean, I probably had blockers up to some extent, yeah. but I thought it was just like looking or touch. Like I don't know how that shit really. Yeah, he I just can't imagine how he couldn't any see of that the worst work. of it. Yeah, like yeah. he just honestly, that's not in his character too. So I don't think he could imagine a man doing that to a child. So yeah. I just think that he didn't, he wasn't willing to believe that. Like yeah, that was my truth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it made it easier to you know, do more, whatever was necessary. Yeah. For sure. And so this was like about last year, probably like halfway through seeing Breckenwright doing the EMDR. I forget when it was, mm -hmm. over the summer probably. Yeah, I can't really remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably like over the summer. So I'm going to refer to my phone a lot, you guys. Sorry, but I did take a lot of notes, and obviously I want to read all the questions that you guys sent in. Um, but I definitely want to acknowledge too that we got a lot we got a lot of questions around like blame like do you guys blame each other or this or that and I feel like we I really want to change the language around that and maybe say was that influenced by or impacted by trauma instead of like blame because I feel like even through the program we learned a lot how to communicate and how to see each other's wrongs and how to resolve conflict very easily and so we never try to like blame each other for the conflict or the struggle that we go through it's like he sees his part I see my part it might take a little bit for me <laughs> but I mean I I yeah. come around and it's not always fair to me it's not that I'm exactly in the wrong but because of something that happened to you that like you know may trigger you yes it's like I can't do something that may be totally normal exactly but and I think sometimes too like as a couple and I saw this you know, on Instagram that it's really important to sometimes with when you're in a relationship as a significant other, when you're going through a hard time to be like, I just need you to support me in this moment exactly. that I'm not looking for advice. Yeah. And to start out, hey, I'm going to vent and I just need you to hold space for just me listen. because there's people I have multiple friends where if I know I need advice for a certain thing. I'm going to call this person and they're going to give me the best advice for the situation that's happening when I'm in a clear mind to think about and ask mm -hmm. for advice or ready to hear advice. Because sometimes I think what happens is, is where we go to our significant other 
expecting to be held and supported and they just want to they want to help right they want to help so bad or fix yeah and not necessarily fix right they want to help come up with a solution Mm. but when we're in that place of venting or or in the place of hurt still we're not ready or receptible to hear it so that's why when she calls me and she's ready because she's calling me for advice in that moment rather than she's coming to you just as like to vent vent or to just be held in this space because she's hurt or whatever and then you come at it with trying to fix or kind of come to a solution so it's closed off because you're not actually all my ideas are coming from someone who can't relate Mm, right they're not gonna hit the same you know Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm But if I knew that prior, that would be way better because I'll just start spewing stuff, trying to fix everything immediately, naturally. (laughs) But that would help. Most men are because that's where they've been trained and thought. So they're like, okay, the person I love is coming to me with something. How can I fix it instead? And then you're also, when you're doing that, you're not being an open listener because you're thinking in your head about, okay, I need to know what I need to say to make this better for her or him or whatever. So I think that that is the most important advice that we can give our listeners Definitely. too is to be like, okay, when you go to your significant other, what are you needing? Are Cause I'm sure there is things that you do go to Dylan for advice for oh, and yeah. you ask, okay, like well, I need advice on this situation, but it's different when you're like, okay, I just need support. So when, when you're going into that, into those conversations being like, I don't need to be fixed. I don't need advice right now. I just need you to listen to yeah. me and hear what I need to say and hug me and hold me and let me cry on your shoulder Yeah. rather than trying to fix because... I think that's so true because there's like no one's an opinion that I respect or, or value more than Dill's, but sometimes I'm not able to hear it until I'm actually ready. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> Um, I'm not getting involved in this one. <laughs> I mean, if anyone knows, it's him. I'm going to call on you in a second here. <laughs> we got a good one. Yeah, Give me a lifeline. Give me a lifeline. Okay. Hey, I have no fucking problem. We said before, we have no problem roasting day. We oh, know. yeah. She's fucking and I'm she's ready a to tough take it, one. Y'all. I'm ready Listen, to take it. She is a fucking tough yeah, one. We're about Love to get her. into it. We're about Love to get her into to it. death. We know, but. Okay, so ready? Here are some questions that we curated for tonight, and we're going to try to come at these with like a positive lens instead of a negative lens, because I feel like there's two ways of asking questions, and we're going to try to stick to the positive mindset. So how do you think that we got to a point in our relationship where we still have conflict, but don't place blame, which was like the key point of like, let's not try and place blame. We try to see each other's part, you know? Yeah. Um. I mean, in general, if we communicate right away, I usually feel better after. Yeah. Because then I start feeling bad that you're feeling bad because you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, yeah, I think there's communicating right off the bat. Because usually after we talk, like, I feel better. Yeah, communication is key. And honestly, I feel like that's the biggest way we connect. That's, like, the biggest way I feel connected is yeah. after we have, like, a heart-to-heart and I'm, like, in shambles. <laughs> Also, I'll just say love you guys too because they're they are aware and they know what works for them. And it's so funny because she'll, you know, she'll show me. They separate and go in different rooms and text <laughs> each other because sometimes the energy That's a good and point. right like That's it doesn't. Really there's no point. right or wrong way. 
Like if you know that your energy sometimes together, and this is something that's really cool. So what I'm saying, what I'm going to say is something that I've learned too, and I think it's one of the coolest things and it makes sense. When you're in an argument with your significant other and you start yelling and you're in the same room, what's happening, your voices are getting louder because your souls, your hearts are apart from each other. So your heart and your soul, because you're angry at each other and you can feel the anger, your voice raises because you you energetically feel like you're far apart from each other because your hearts are far apart. So when you're screaming and yelling, it's actually because your souls are like, wait, there's no love here. So that, that energy that rises. So if you know that about yourself and you know that, you know, maybe you guys could communicate healthily if you separate and maybe you text or write notes or whatever it is, like there is no right or wrong way. So if you know that that works for you, I think that like, like I love that you guys do that because you guys know that about yourself. If I could get a minute or two, I could be very level headed and think it all out. But in the first like 30 seconds, if I was, you know, I could see red very easily Which and we're i used both to like that. and i've got better at it but. we're both very reactive and so for us especially having kids in the home i grew up in a very toxic household that was yelling and screaming all the time so i don't ever want my kids around that and so when i feel that i'm getting angry and i'm raising my voice i'll be like i can't do this right now like i can't do this right now we're not doing this right now or he'll be like stop yelling like you know the kids and i'm like okay fine you're right and then he'll we'll separate Like either I'll go upstairs or he'll go upstairs and we'll start like at first rage texting all caps and then we'll chill. (laughs) It's probably me all caps. But then like (laughs) we'll chill or I'll chill and I'm able to like read his text. And one thing about my husband is like he's a very good writer. He's a very good communicator. And so when he's feeling something, he's very good at articulating his words and a way for me to see it and then read it through a calmer lens because of how he speaks to me. I feel like how you speak to someone is so fucking important. He mm-hmm. has a very good way of speaking to to you when you're upset. I don't know if you do that with everyone, but you definitely are really good at doing it with yeah. me. Like when it's I'm It's easier when you're right. <laughs> you know, it's easier to like <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just. Well, we do no, it. No, but seriously, we, we it's do true. it in person now. Like it doesn't get there. No, I will say that, and I will admit that a lot of the times I'm in the wrong, and it takes me a while to come around. Which we've talked about this. I'm a grudge holder. I don't know if that's just like in my sign or or why I do that, but I'm a grudge holder. I can't help it. I've been trying really hard to let go of those things. And I think I have gotten a lot better of just like, you know, letting things kind of roll off. But I will. I'll fucking stay mad for a little bit. And I'll write all caps like you motherfucker. And then he'll quickly come back with like the nicest fucking response. And I'm like, okay, well, how am I supposed to fucking get mad about that? You know, I think it's also important that when you have trauma and you have things like this to really have people in your life that know you fully transparently that, you know, you can bounce your crazies off of and, and, you know, people that will be like, no, Tay, you're really, that's yeah. really not okay. Yeah. Because every yeah. time she calls me, I'm like, all right. No, I, she does. And, and I'm she's like, so quick to be like, well, do you see Dill's point? Or like, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I'm kind of on Dill's side here. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I just, well, I don't ever say I'm on someone Dill's else. side. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let me call someone else. <laughs> No, not I. I just have the ability to see it from everybody's yeah, different. Me too. You know, perspective yeah. and be like, okay, yes, that you're valid in this, 
but also this. This. Yeah. Which but is also so important. Maybe it's this. Yeah. Right. So it's so important to have people in your life that you're willing to be vulnerable with and to to not be afraid. Right. Like I know no matter what I say to Tay, she's gonna know it's coming from a loving place. I'm never gonna say anything yeah. to her that my intentions are never to hurt her. So you know, even though she may be mad at me in a moment, because in the moment she feels like I'm taking Dill's side, I'm like, no, don't look at it at that. Just try to see the bigger picture of it all. Because sometimes we're so much in our rage or so much in our trauma because our body's reacting to the situation that's actually not even happening in the moment. Yeah. Our body's (laughs) having this. That's a big one. Reacting to a situation that's not even happening. You're just relating it to a time that you felt Mm -hmm. that certain way. So you're immediately like, nope, like this is this way. When really like it's not even like that. And like those intentions are never to ever hurt me hurtful or do these things and sometimes we need to be reminded that and we need to say okay is this person am I reading this am I reading this through my lens of trauma yeah or is this person really actually trying to hurt me in this moment with the things that they're saying or their actions or or behaviors are they doing it to intentionally make me feel triggered by what used to happen in the past yeah or is this just them in this moment and they're being human right yeah you know yeah and and is that all it is and I just have to you know be a little bit more understanding yeah so it's definitely very very important I feel like to have a third party whether it's a therapist or a best friend who knows the ins and outs of your trauma and your relationship it just so happened to be my sponsor who knew the fucking nitty gritty of my life, who now, you know, is the third wife. So, or second wife. <laughs> like, wait, who's wife. the second wife? Second wife. So I feel like it just helps. I having, don't think he could have a third wife. Yeah. I think with the two of us, it's enough. It does. It helps having that lens <laughs> yeah. of someone on the outside, but also knowing the most intimate details of your relationship, which is why I always re- recommend having a therapist if you don't have a therapist. Just having like that non-biased opinion to bounce ideas off of is so important. Yeah, and not reacting too quick because there was yes. times like things I was trying to tell you, you'd laugh me off or, you know, tell me I was nuts and then I waited till Give we Give me were an in, example. Um, we were at our friend's house one time and I think we were... I think we were talking about you. I think you were going through your thing, you know. So you were, you guys were like talking all day, every day. (laughs) And I had said something about it and she wouldn't even like listen to it. And then once I was able to do it in a space where we were in front of other people and she had to like sit there and listen, she was like, oh. Okay. You know. That is true. But you, I I wasn't able to be heard until, you know, there was other people there. Otherwise you were just reacting and shutting it down. Yeah, and I'll say that that was hard. That was a hard, this year. Like I could not have gotten through this last year without the support of both Dylan and Taylor. And you know, Taylor is an angel of a friend, and she does when and not just me. With uh, everyone takes on everyone's shit like it's her own, you know. <laughs> and so now through this year, I've I've like when I she's know, hurting, I'm hurting. When my friends are hurting, I'm hurting. 
So then I bring it home to my husband. And when, when my friends are hurting, I'm hurting. And then he's like, well, can I just have a little bit of your time? And I'm like, I don't have any more energy to give. Like I'm tapped out for the day. And, he's and that like, usually happens when we're doing our best. Like you get bored. So you like jump conflict. into someone else's. That's another thing that I like do. Like all in, which I'm like, oh, I'm working so hard. Try to get to this place. And then we get there and you find something. To stir it up. That to doesn't have chaos. anything to do with us. Yeah. That is a big thing that I do. And so as I have this awareness now, <laughs> I am like, hey, Tay, do you have the <laughs> mental capacity to actually <laughs> deal with what I'm about to tell you right now? Because usually it's a lot. And, yeah. And, and that as being a friend and somebody that I think that that's also really important that if you have a lot of shit going on all the time, which I did, this year was very intense, but it's coming to a plateau. Yeah. We're, we're having some success here, guys. I'm feeling really great about life. <laughs> Never been so happy ever in my life, uh, ever. Like this weekend, I, I was like texting some friends. I'm like, guys, I'm peaking. I know. I'm <laughs> peaking. Literally, I'm peaking. I'm peaking. I'm like, thank God I didn't peak in high school. Are those people that peaked in high school? Like, don't you feel like you're peaking like right yeah. now? And it feels so good to be like peaking in this moment of yeah. life. You're like, yeah, this is it. But um, now I'm just like, hey, like, do you have the mental capacity yeah. to like deal with what I'm about to like lay on you? Because you never know, you know, when you're having a bad day and, and the same thing to remove yourself from your situation yeah. and be like, OK, everybody's life is really hard right now. So yeah. do I say, OK, do you, are you in a mental space for you to hold space for me right now? Mm. Because it's a lot. And, and sometimes she says no and that's okay then i have other people yeah. that i can call right and sometimes she's like yeah bring it to me because i need all the tea <laughs> <laughs> that's mainly the answer yeah i was gonna say 99 percent. 99 percent of the time she's like okay give me the tea bitch but i feel like that's so special about our relationship and i feel like that's why we always joke like oh dylan is two wives but like it really is true like it sounds fucked up, but Aim's like family at this point. Like she's a big sister to me. Like she was my sponsor. She gave me the most like life fucking crucial advice that I could have gotten early sobriety. And I brought that into my relationship and now I've brought it into my family. And like, it's kind of just, it's kind of just stayed like this dynamic. And so it only makes sense that she knows like the fucking innermost, deepest, intimate parts of our relationship because she's the one person that I can call who even though she's my best friend will give it to me straight and be like, no, you're in the fucking wrong. Dill's right. Like you're acting like an asshole, this or that. And I'm like, damn, okay. Like, you know, I'm always able to be like, mm, like at first, like other day specifically, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, Tay, I know you don't want to hear it, but like, just try to see it through Dill's eyes. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, okay, well, I love you. Like, let's talk about it later. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> whatever she was so mad not happy about it she was like but that's yeah okay but too. he did this <laughs> that i'm like yeah but also he works really hard and like and he does we are allowed to that. be human i know it's true right and sometimes with this lens of like how do i say this because i don't want to Sometimes it is very victim mentality. I don't consider myself a victim, but sometimes I can fall back into that like victim mentality of like, oh, it's him, 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 him. Like nothing I do is wrong, which is obviously the furthest thing from the truth. And a lot of our, our struggles, I don't want to say problems because they're not problems, but a lot of our struggles are because of the, my trauma and the way that I deal with them and how 
like I don't have the healthiest coping mechanisms, which which we're I'm learning through, right, and growing. This last year was like really a progressing point for me. I feel like the first five years of our relationship we spent growing our family and I didn't really start working on myself truly until last year. So I mean, that's, that's I mean like deep work. I mean, deep work. I mean, I've always you had a lot of work to do in a lot of places though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you were so young. Like growing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very immature. Just never had to like live on my own really. And Dill's like obviously the breadwinner financial person in our relationship he takes on a lot of the responsibility and I don't really see the struggle that he sees and so I feel like sometimes my point of view is so skewed and in a very immature mindset because I'm just like oh well I don't like I don't know like I don't know you know yeah but even getting to be someone that's like running errands grocery shopping cooking cleaning that's all new to you yeah like the last year yeah yeah, definitely. We Stepped ate out a ton, it. and I just was not, definitely not a homemaker. And I feel like this last year, I've really tried to just not step up for, you know, my husband, but obviously my kids. Like, my kids deserve more, and my kids deserve, you know, a meal on the on the table and, you know, not DoorDash every other fucking day. So, yeah, okay. Let's go on with these questions so we don't get too sidetracked. Okay, what's this other one? How do you... All right, what helps navigate all these situations when I go through my little trauma flare-ups and I'm going through, like, an episode where I'm just, like, completely shut off? Uh, Probably space. Yeah. You know, like, I've learned there's nothing I can do or say or make it any different, you know? Yeah, definitely. Just try not to take it personal. I'd say also your notes... You write a lot of notes to yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, if we're having problems, like, intimate problems and stuff, and I'm doing everything right, going out of my way, you know, and everything is good, and there's no reason that, like, passion shouldn't be there. Mm. There's times where I'm going to bed, like, super angry again. I used to take it personal, like, on the nightly. Like, it was, like, getting rejected over and over because I would make it super clear, like, hey, you know, like, I need you to show some, like, urgency or, like, find a way, you know, might not be sex, but, like, anything to show me, like, you're thinking of me. Like, Mm. make it happen, and it wouldn't. So then I would, I didn't want to initiate because you don't know how they're going to react, and then you're not one to initiate. So then I'm just, like, got my hands tied every night, going to sleep, not knowing which way to go. And, yeah, I would write, like, hate mail. (laughs) Like, I deserve, you know, this, that, the other thing. And a lot of the times everything I said was true, but I would wake up and read it and be like, this is, it's not that it's not true, but like it's selfish and it's detrimental. And it's like you signed up and said you were going to support her in doing this. And like, this isn't Mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's like the number one thing he says he does is he writes notes in his phone when we're like going through it. He'll like write write them. He'll or handwrite them. He'll, but I would but read them in the like, morning, rip them up, and be like, that would have hurt her. That's, like, you know, horrible. And yeah. I'm going to be fine, and you know what I mean? Yeah. There's things I can do. Yeah. I think that's important, too, because I think that that was a big... I like the initiation piece of it. And, mm-hmm. and just... I know for me, and, like, going through EMDR, and, like, having trauma, and being in that relationship, and... and one, not knowing how to initiate it in yeah, a healthy way. Yeah, just like not way. feeling confident in it. And then expecting 
your significant other to do that, but not also realizing that, you know, you had those thoughts of how do I initiate it? Is she going to think it's this? Like, Mm. so I think having that open dialogue now to where you can communicate. A lot of that was during EMDR, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like, I'm going to take six months. I won't initiate. There'll be no pressure for that. Like do what you have to do. It's going to be hard, but like, don't forget about me, but we're going to leave it in your hands, you know? Mm. And someone like her is good without. So it's like every single night, you don't know you're trying to stay true to your word and not do that. You're just like waiting on them and you'll mm. like go on a date or have this like amazing family time and then a date and like it's like what is it going to take why is you yeah because that goes back to love languages yes. like obviously most men are physical touch that's their number one love language i feel like that's just how men are wild are wired intimacy and physical touch is a big one and then what like words of affirmation you would say or what's your second physical touch and Acts of service, maybe? I know mine are quality time and acts of service. Yeah, like affection, just like anything. Yeah, so physical physical touch. Yeah. I think that, like, the love language thing, like, I do obviously believe that everybody has, like, one, but I think it's really all situational, mm. right? Because there are some times where, like, I do need love. I like, could agree with that. A, it's I situational, that. right? Like, every there's, like, times in life when... I need certain things. Like, mm-hmm. mine is quality time. I just want somebody me to too. want to spend quality time with me and, like, make an effort and say, hey, I booked this restaurant for you and we're going out to dinner and you yeah. don't have anything to do except to just go and eat some food. Yeah. That, for me, makes me feel so seen and so – and not even – it doesn't even have to be money. Like, I got this new – little video game or this deck like I want to sit and just spend this one-on-one time with you and nothing yeah. else like that's what mine is especially because you work so much yeah so I just mine want... is definitely quality yeah. time but the expectation at the end of the night would always like blow it up because we weren't on the same page you know mm-hmm. yeah. you would think if you had that perfect night that that person's gonna want to like be intimate be with intimate. you, you know? And in my eyes that's like not just from like a trauma point of view like that's what I was sexualized and I was made to do all these things because I would spend quality time with a person. And so in my eyes, it was like, no, just spend time with me because you want to spend time with me, not because you want to have sex with me at the end of the night. Even though we were married, like it still felt very like he's sexualizing me. Like he wants Transactional. Yeah, very transactional. And You're doing this for me because at the end of the night, I'm going to get this from you. Exactly. So not feeling that, but having both yeah like yeah yeah but like but without communication yeah without communication it's like you don't want to do it on the good nights you want to do it on the other nights so like yeah what exactly you know yeah and again that goes with me like holding grudges i think and also just like being so scared to act like i talk about this a lot but like sometimes when we're in intimate situations i feel like a child like i i immediately revert back to like I don't know what I'm doing I don't feel confident in my body oh my god like he's staring at me but really he just loves me and and loves all part of me and just wants me to be so present in the moment and it's so hard for me to do that sometimes and so that's a big thing for me to be so like like right there and 
just confident in who I am and my sexuality and not thinking that it's wrong or gross. I've done a lot of work around that and I feel like it's definitely changed and got better. I don't think it's wrong anymore or gross to feel that way, but sometimes I still feel very immature in my body. I can't explain it. And that's still something that I'm working through, but yeah, initiation is extremely hard for me. And we have these conversations too, where you're like, yeah, I want to, yeah, but, but I, I don't like, know how to act on I it. I can't act. Like, I'll be sitting next to him and want to, like, jump on him. But, like, everything in my body is, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Or, like, in my brain is, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Like, oh, my God, no. Maybe that's, like, fear of rejection or fear of who knows. So, yeah, um, we're definitely at a phase in our relationship where initiating is a little bit harder for me, which is why <laughs> cue the schedule this might sound crazy to a lot of people, but we are at a point in our relationship where we had to come up with a sex schedule and that's just what it is right now. Sundays and Wednesdays are like our two days that we have sex no matter what. We've set time aside to make that happen because I was getting to the point where I didn't know what I wanted. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I need you to be spontaneous and just throw me down and, you know, fucking dominate me. And then sometimes I'd be like, no, like I have to know when this is happening. Like you can't just surprise me. You can't just like throw this on me. Like I never knew what I wanted. And so finally, <laughs> Legit, like, finally, it, oh, I know. It came to the point where I was like, nope, we're going to have a set schedule. That way I'm mentally prepared every single day. I know when it's coming. I can prepare myself. I can set time aside. Those are the two days that we're not the busiest. Sundays and Wednesdays are like our two, you know, free days Sunday, fun day, Wednesday, hump day. So I'm like, it's perfect. And, you know, we've just, we made that happen. And if it happens any other day of the week, then perfect. But at least we're going to make two times a week that we're connecting in an intimate level. Because at that point, it's like, we're roommates and he's my now best friend. Now everybody knows when the podcast drops, you guys are getting fucked. <laughs> 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 okay. <Getting> it in. <laughs> Wednesdays no. are no longer just podcast days. <laughs> it's scheduled sex day. <laughs> But no, it sounds crazy, but I think it has helped me a ton. And then I just get more comfortable with the idea of sex and being intimate and knowing yeah. that it's... No, it's definitely been phases. And when it's not good, we look into it almost too much. And it's exactly. like, you can't put your finger on it. It just was what it was. And then it comes back randomly. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about attachment styles because I feel like a lot of people don't know what attachment styles are. And I feel like it's a big thing. And so there's four different type of types of attachment styles and if you haven't read the book attached it is so good it was recommended to me last year and I read it within like a week it was just so good and there's anxious secure disorganized and avoidant attachment styles and so I think that obviously meeting Dill I was very anxious avoidant so what that means is anxious is overwhelming fear of being alone needing constant reassurance jealousy over possessiveness and neediness viewing your viewing yourself negatively which was like a big one for me but all others in a positive way are highly sensitive to others' emotional states, which, hello, that's what I do. And then avoidant, I was very avoidant, viewing yourself positively but others in a negative light, which wasn't true for me, but these other ones are pushing others away, having trust issues and feeling like you don't need anyone, craving emotional intimacy but feeling uncomfortable when you get it. 
<laughs> hello <laughs> and extremely independent and then obviously secure so when you're in a secure healthy relationship with someone these are the secure attachment styles healthy balance of independence and relying on others healthy boundaries and ability to trust viewing yourself and others positively and comfortable and healthy communication and emotional intimacy strong self-worth and confidence which we know I say it all the time, I still struggle with my self-worth and confidence, and so that's like the last big, big remainder. Um, but other than that, I feel like we've definitely moved our way into into a more secure attachment because I was very anxious avoidant. Um, and once I learned about that and knew that like there wasn't something wrong with me or I was just so fucked up that like, no, these, these were like real attachment styles from trauma or from situations that like, okay, like it kind of validated, I'm not a psycho, <laughs> you know, my husband is, is in fact like my person and I just love to, you know, destroy everything good in my life because I don't feel worthy of his love or the unconditional, the unconditional ups and downs of it. Well, it's the self-sabotage too yeah. that comes along with trauma and the behaviors that come along with it and constantly not feeling good enough. And it's that thing of, oh, if these people find these things out about me, like they're not actually gonna love me. And then you protect yourself and you're yeah. like, oh my God, I can't, like if they get too close, I'm just gonna push them away. So it's like this push pull, like mm -hmm. I want you here and I need you, but then don't get too close cause I'm gonna push you away cause you're just yeah. too close. So when we're caught in those attachment styles of like pushing and pulling and ooh, it feels good, but can't feel too good yep. because I'm not worthy of feeling too good. Exactly. And if you actually knew who I was, like you'd probably fucking run too. Yeah. And I always say it's always like, who's crazier, the person who loves the crazy person or, <laughs> or the, the crazy, crazy person? person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I always think it's the. I say it to Billy all the time. I'm like, I think it's actually the person that you like oh, are choosing. Oh, that's a good one. To yeah. love the crazy person, you're the crazier one because you actually choose to love us both. <laughs> <laughs> as crazy as they come. Uh, yeah, you are as crazy as they come. Okay. What's this one? How would you describe us now versus a year ago before me working with Brecken and doing the EMDR? And what would you say is, like, one of the biggest milestones that we've had this past year? Um, I've had to learn to love in ways I didn't know I was capable of, you know, or that, like, existed. Mm. Um, and the milestones, I mean, I feel like we don't rage text anymore. Like we can <laughs> talk in true. the kitchen, like with normal voices, you know? Yeah. And now even one of us trying to talk over the other, like at this, Kanan thinks we're yelling cause that's, that's what he knows to be yelling. I know. Like, Which kills it, me. Like when our well, kids chime in. Well, like yeah, Kanan but like we in. won't even be yelling. Like we can just have a conversation talk now and it's yeah. far different you know and i get and a better like, grasp on what's going yeah, on mama dada stop fighting stop fighting and we're like we're not fighting buddy we're literally just talking like you know but those were like the reminders to us to be like okay we're not like let's not do this anymore like in front of them like they're getting old enough now where they they recognize those things and they realize the change in emotion and energy in the room to the point where my son's like you know, like have, the littlest change because it's not yeah, little like minute like we're having a conversation and you would never think they would pick up on yeah and kane is just like mom stop fighting with dad and i'm like we're not fighting buddy like we're yeah. not even like having a argument like we're literally just talking about something and he'll be like oh okay it sounds like you're fighting we'll be like no we're not fighting like we're just having a conversation 
So I think they made us very self-aware of the situation too, yeah. I think. And I think you just being present, you know, Yeah. when we are intimate is, a, yeah, would be a milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Um, what's a healthy coping mechanism for you when things are intense at home and I'm not <laughs> being the most pleasant to be around? I think space. Yeah. You know, just kind of lean into the kids more. We talked about this on the way here, too. I think, you know, Dill's background of being alone so much, you know, he spent seven years alone, guys. That's I feel like when I first met him and he told me that, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, even when I was getting high, I was getting high with people. I was never alone. And so when he told me he spent seven years alone, that hit me so hard. And I was like, he's like, yeah, like, I literally. Well, you didn't have a relationship or girlfriends or like. No, not for, not for that. And I worked alone. Like, I hired like always myself. alone. And he would record videos on his phone, like, wicked fucked up, like, to himself. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. Like, I'm not getting high anymore. And the next day, he would wake up sober and see the videos and be like, what the fuck, and delete them, you know? Because that's yeah, just, like, what like, we do. Or it's like, let me go get high, and then I'll, like, make a new plan. Yeah. There you was... were writing rage emails to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> rage like... videos. Rage like, videos. I'm, I'm like, going to do this. I'm going to get sober this time. I'm going to stop getting high. I'm going to stop doing this, like, endless cycle. And for me, that was just so fucking heartbreaking, knowing that he spent all that time alone. I couldn't even, like, I couldn't stomach it. But I think that is why sometimes when we go through these hardships, he's he's so okay with himself and being alone, which... I mean, some people could, could I don't say know if it's good or bad, but yeah, some people could say it's not it's healthy, easier. but I think it's, I think it's a really healthy thing to be able to spend time with yourself. I really do. And so because he's so comfortable being alone, I feel like in those times where I'm like needing space or not having a good moment or not having a good week or something disrupts me or something happens, like he's very good at being like, he's very good at reading the room. Obviously he knows I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So if he comes home and something's not right, he knows it, he feels it, he sees it. And he's like, all right, well, if you know, need a, you need to talk about it. Yeah. Here. I think another thing since you started with Brecken was like, it's not me. There's nothing I can do. Exactly. No matter how much I do or what I do, it's not going to like help or change anything. Yeah. Like it's kind of out of my hands. It just is what it is. And I have to like go through the motions. I think it's important that this is what we talk about too that it's everyone's different there is yeah. no one-way path so if you deal with your best things alone writing letters to yourself or just being alone then that's what you get to do if Definitely. you know whatever works for you works for you there is no right or wrong way there is no one path to healing there is no one certain situation that's going to work and it's ebbs and flows and it's going to be different for every situation. Yeah. And that I think that's the other thing that you do is that it's your path and those things that you've done is the only thing. And that Dill does need yeah. to do or the I compare. things. I compare yeah. a lot. And a lot of people don't know what we go through because a lot of people don't have my background and a lot of people don't have my trauma. So I'm like, who the fuck am I to compare my relationship to someone else's who mm. has never had the shit done to them as a child and now is navigating a committed healthy relationship you know so it's like why do I do that why do I try to compare why do I try to like see why my relationship is different from others when yes it is fucking different mm -hmm. it is so different from others and rightly so I think that's my biggest 
you know, I'm my own worst critic and also like I need to stop comparing. Yeah. Because we're very individual. So you don't take it personal if exactly. someone says Exactly. Or that I don't take it personal. You're lucky or something. Yeah. Cuz that that's in no way shape or form should be a bad thing and somehow No. Not at that's all. That's how it got spun. Yeah, I feel like sometimes which I'll elaborate on that, sometimes when people are so like oh, you're so lucky, like the way your husband looks at you or stares at you. And, you know, I wish I just had a man to love me this much or this this way. And I don't feel that sense of like, which again, like this doesn't even, which me and Brecken have, we've all come to this realization this year of like me working through this this situation and coming up with ideas of why I am this way. I think this is just who I am without trauma, with trauma or without trauma. I'm not the most affectionate person. I'm really not. I don't love PDA. I've never been super touchy feely with any, any of my past relationships or, you know, any of the things. So I think even without trauma, PDA and being all lovey dovey, mushy gushy has just never been my, never been my thing. And that's okay. And I have to stop comparing myself to other people who are so like, lovey-dovey and touchy with their partners like that's just not me and I have to I have to be okay with that and I have to be accepting of that and know that there's a time and place for that and you know public displays of affection are just have never been like my (laughs) forte how do I even say that I don't know like they've just never been like my thing which we know, and I know I'm not the only one in that, right? But when when things like that happen, and when people are constantly in my ear, because I know how I know how fucking lucky I am. My my husband's the best, and I am so fortunate. And I'm so grateful, and I thank God every day that He put this man in my life. But when I'm constantly reminded of it, it's almost like a stab to the chest because I'm like, <gasps> like I'm not good enough or. I'm not like he deserves better. Like I'm not this like lovey dovey person that he deserves or I don't give him the the affection that he deserves or this or that, or I don't love him the way that he deserves. Like I have to stop internalizing those things and just realize that maybe that's just the way that I am with or without trauma. And I'm working on it and I'm trying to be better about it and meeting his love languages. But I think, yeah, or we could use it as a good thing. We got to work backwards and do all the hard stuff yeah. first yeah, and be best true. friends and have like that rock solid and now trust. It's just, now it's just up uphill from here. Me and Amy can go to the strip club, you know? Yeah. You go to sleep, <laughs> like it doesn't bother you. Yeah. You know, this is like true. not Everyone's everyone like, has these you let your luxuries. husband go to the strip club with your best friend. I'm like, yeah, like, what do you mean? It's fine. Oh, yeah, everyone needs to have an Amy night. Yeah, yeah. like everyone needs an Amy <laughs> night. And I wanted my husband to experience that. And there's no one I trust more than my husband. So I'm just like, and obviously with my best friend, I'm like, yeah, go to the fucking strip club, have a night, rip it up, you know? Oh my God, we had so much fun, but we did meet these people and we had to FaceTime takes. They're like, yeah. you guys are fucking. They yeah, like, you guys they are lying. Us, they're like, you guys are fucking, you're lying. We're like, no, we're literally just here. And we're just here. I I was secretly trying to get a job, just so you guys yes. know. We're like, <laughs> we're going to really throw this out here. We all know it's like, a deep dark secret i really wish i could still be a stripper but it was it was a glimpse in the moment when i just like was it going was. through a divorce and it was i was a business like, trip it was, it was a business <laughs> trip it was 
total she was like this is strictly shit. business we're going for an interview and i'm like yeah go i'm fucking well, staying we got tay on the phone and she said yeah it was okay the guy had nothing to say he was like speechless he yeah they like, facetime me i'm like in bed it's 11 30 at night and this dude's like your man's fucking your your best friend i'm like no definitely not he's like no they're definitely fucking they're here at a strip club together and i'm like yeah i sent him like he's like i know i i sent them together to go like he's like what the fuck you know i couldn't believe it but but we yeah. had the best night yeah i mean amy everyone deserves an amy night if y'all don't know what an amy night's like everyone deserves an amy night period Period. Listen, I just am a wild, free spirit, and I just have the best time, and we always meet the best people. I know. Yeah. We have the best random conversations. Like, I just, it doesn't matter where I go or what I do. Like, it's, it's. And she also just allows you to be yourself, your, like, authentic self, you know? Freedom. You just go and you're there and you just fully enjoy and embrace yep. every moment and every person and when you energetically show up in that manner like yeah the places that you are show up for you rather than you know like you just have these wild fun yeah. experiences yeah you meet crazy people, you do fun stuff, you do the things, you spend a ton of money. Usually it's a problem. It's just, <laughs> it's like, wait, what it's happened? Fine. And then, it's yeah. Fine. It's fun. Okay. Two last questions before we wrap it up. So last one. What's it like, or not the last one, second to last one. What's it like for you when I'm not able to meet your physical touch needs and how do you prevent yourself from building resentments? I feel like we kind of already touched on this, but yeah, I mean, they build fast Yeah, for sure. But obviously the notes, but the writing, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I feel guess like it's easy to let it go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I took that with me for sure. Otherwise, cause I mean, you hold yeah. up to them, they start exponentially like, yeah. Yeah. Building. Okay. And last one, ready? Hit a rub and tug, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever (laughs) he's kidding y'all nobody does it better than yourself i mean (laughs) this is true get it done get the job done get it done quick (laughs) oh no he's talking about like an actual rub and tug like go to a rub and tug like a massage place with a happy ending i mean either or he's talking about a casual (laughs) rub and tug i thought he was just talking about himself (laughs) (laughs) but that too that's and I'll be the first I mean, one to be like, go take care of your fucking needs then. You're acting like an asshole. Like, you know, because that's another thing that a lot of people don't talk about. Men have a lot that. of testosterone. And if they don't have a release, it will affect their mood. This is a scientific fact. Don't act surprised. You know this. We've talked about this with Brecken. So when he's coming out the side of his neck and I haven't had any type of physical intimacy with him in like a week or two. It's like, okay, like it's getting there, right? And I feel it, he feels it. And so either he'll write a note or I'll be like, do what you need to do if I'm in a mood or we'll come up with a day where I, we can. <laughs> yeah. This isn't funny. You tell him to call a hooker? <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> do not say that. Well, He's that's joking. why I like, I didn't even go there with the rub and tug. I just thought he was rubbing and tugging himself. <laughs> no, he was <laughs> definitely talking about a massage place is that a thing Do they oh it's have definitely that? a thing yeah okay last question what piece of advice would you give to a partner of someone with childhood sexual abuse i would be very sure that you like love them in and out 
and it's someone that can do no wrong because like it's not going to be easy you're going to get the short side of everything but yeah you know you got your whole life i would imagine to figure it get out get through it with them and they're going to need someone that can support them the whole time and you being like selfish or worrying about yourself is just going to be detrimental and you know what i mean they just need space and whatever they ask to yeah get better and then hopefully it gets better with time you know yeah but yeah i that's how i felt about you from when i, <laughs> I was gonna say when i started i didn't really have a choice married to me, babe? <laughs> no i mean all of it, it just took it in stride i know yeah it was yeah he's a g he's a savage what's like i think now on the other side of it though really having communications so i think this was a big part of you know why my marriage failed right is that mm-hmm. you have these expectations you expect her to act or show up a certain way and then you become resentful if you're not like before before you guys have learned this right mm-hmm. like you um keep these feelings in bottled in and you're not communicating about it so the anger's there and then it's like it's what i talk about with breath work where you have like the little things pile mm. up and then pile up and then pile up and pile up and then something small happens and you get your shirt stuck on the door handle and you fucking <laughs> what the mind <laughs> and it's because you've continually allowed these things to pile up pile up pile up and then the smallest thing happens and it's like the fucking raging the the mm-hmm. thing where it's like holy shit and then you can step back and you'd be like holy fuck i shouldn't have did that that was a pile up it actually didn't have to do with that situation mm. So I think I, now, you know, going through this whole thing and then I'll be, and then going through it myself as being a woman with trauma and, and having a marriage fail, with, and I'll take full responsibility too, where I wasn't communicating my needs, where I mm-hmm. was just having these expectations or I was communicating my needs and they weren't being met. Yeah. In a way, it was... I was communicating my needs and then he was meeting them at a way that he wanted to meet them, but not the way that I was communicating yeah. them. So I think really having healthy communication now that you like step through that. Yeah, for sure. With expectations and. Yeah. Expectations. Killers. Yeah. Expectations are a real bitch. And I think we both learned that in our marriage. And honestly, yeah, at the end of all of this communication, you guys, I feel like we are so lucky to have such good communication. Yeah. And you're lucky to have friends that'll back me up, you know, because that makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) But also I'm like this. Just don't settle, you guys. This is like a big reminder of like, do not settle. If someone we got so many questions, let's just go through and make sure that I answered all of them from the. Uh, sacred doubles page but we got a lot of questions about does your partner place blame on you does your partner blame you for his actions from your trauma it's like no person should ever blame their action that's a narcissist we talked about it last week in the podcast if someone's blaming you for their actions based on your situation that's not even necessarily your fault they're a narcissist and like maybe they shouldn't be in your life so we'll just start and off with that. They gotta be open with people because, like, I didn't know Bud Light specifically had a smell that like yeah, triggered you. Yeah, let's talk you. about triggers. Okay, yeah, we so forgot to talk about triggers. So there would be times where I could come home on like you know whatever a Thursday night and drink two Bud Lights, and then like you know I didn't know it. It was probably many times for for however long, but you'd be triggered by that smell, 
not want anything to do with me and then it came out the side of your neck one time like yeah as if i was doing something wrong or like when personal. i was intentional or impersonal. yeah or like yeah, intentional personal. and it's like oh well so and so reminds me of this and it's like well you never told me that you know yeah like i'll drink something else or not but like i didn't know that that yeah particular thing i wasn't doing anything wrong and it's not my fault that she feels that way, but it's also, my abuser was she an didn't, alcoholic. she didn't ask for that either. So yeah. it's like, it's not her fault. It's not my fault, but still, it might not be fair to me. None of that was fair to her. Yeah. You know, but like now I know, so we can do something a little different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also the walking up behind me, there's been like multiple instances where I'm like, Hey, don't do that. Like, don't come up behind me. Don't grab my waist. Like, you have to be like, hey, I'm behind you, which, like, might take the fun out of it. Or he wanted to be, like, cute. And he's like, well, that's not cute. It's like, well, I don't like that. Like, if I jump and you startle me, like, I don't like that. I, That is, like, a big thing for me. I was always startled and always, like, co- like come up behind on. And, like, I don't – that's a big trigger for me. So if you don't make your presence known and if I'm, like, at the sink doing dishes and he comes up behind me and, like, I don't see him or notice him and I, like, jump – like I'll break a glass in the sink, you know, like it's like, it's a big thing. So I think knowing your triggers and recognizing them and, and voicing them and communicating that to your partner. So they know, you know, now he's very intentional and he hasn't done it since. Like he would never do something intentional. Right. But I feel like sometimes when these things happen, it's like, why would you do that? It's like, well, I don't fucking know. Like, I didn't know that that was like one thing that like, you know, upset you. And also, knowing that things are going to come up that you might not think are triggers, but then they come up and it, and it evokes like a body response. And you're like, Whoa, like, why did I, why did that feel like that? It's like, maybe something's there that you need to take a look at and you can go deeper into that with a therapist or whoever it may be, but you're going to find out what these things are. You just need to communicate them to your partner. So they know that they don't, they don't have to do that anymore. They won't, they won't do those like small, simple things anymore. Or they're never going to know unless you communicate exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're never going to, you can't just assume, right? It's like the, oh, the four agreements are really just it. Like don't make assumptions. You can't assume, like be impeccable with your word mm-hmm. because it's so important to communicate what you need and yeah. not to just be like, you should fucking know. Yeah. 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 Right? And especially when it changes by the week. Like, you got to keep me updated. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. This was a question on our Instagram that we got. What is the hardest part of loving someone with trauma? And what do you think the easiest part is? Um, The hardest part would be putting yourself second, I would think, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's what it's going to take. Like, one person's going to have to take more blows than the other. And yeah to or you know like in your case the affection shit like if i wasn't pushing it and you weren't doing this work i would see probably yeah you know next to none and that's like the one thing i need and i don't need much yeah so it's like the one thing that you end up living without the easiest i mean the easiest is like Honestly, like for me, because I love you, is letting, I guess, not sticking up for yourself and like letting all that go. And some people in turn take it as like, mm. a, you're lucky and this and that. But it's also, you know, when someone's not 
I guess you just don't expect that much or yeah. everything you do is like nice but like not expecting I guess I don't know the easiest part I guess it's easy to stay in communication because we constantly have to work at it or yeah, we'll fail yeah. yeah yeah I don't know if that's easy that. but definitely not yeah I, there's not a lot of easy things um i feel the, like we answered this one but we'll go over it did an approach to hard moments come easily or how was it learned um i feel like again that was like a communication thing you're the only one with the the hard things to come tell me so you'd know better you know yeah i haven't really had to bring anything to you did you set boundaries or threshold for what you would allow obviously yes we talked about this triggers things that I can't handle and all the things. And then someone said, what are some ways you supported Tay through her journey? Obviously sending me to EMDR and allowing me to do that, taking time and space, giving me the space to do all these extracurricular things to help me and really being okay. Yeah, taking Brecken's suggestions. Yeah. Talking different, acting different. I mean, you kind of... You have to relearn most of it because a lot of it comes off like wrong, even though it's what I was used to, you know? Yeah. Like talking dirty to my wife seems like a normal thing to do, but come to find out it has like the adverse effect, you know? Yeah. I can handle some things, but sometimes yeah. it feels very I mean, sexualized it's, it's and like, dirty and like, ooh. Yeah. But yeah, it's again. It's hit or miss. So yeah, it's tricky, tough. tricky waters to navigate for sure. Um, so yeah, just all the things, all the things. It's a learning curve. You need to find someone who is willing to stick it out. Again, be clear, be very clear with what your trauma is. Um, <laughs> I guess don't leave blanket statements for them to wonder for the next five years and then <laughs> come to find out it's like way more serious than they thought. Um, you know, just be very clear, have open communication, find a therapist, find breath work, find, find a community to help you get through these things and to, to have this like space of healing and, um, you know, always just have that, that support network, I think for and sure. And be open and willing to hear hard truths. Yes. Especially about yourself. And different perspectives. Yeah. And and be willing to be wrong yeah be willing to change your mind yeah be willing to see things from the other person's shoes i think of being able to have that ability to mm. be like okay i understand and in knowing that when you're putting yourself in the other person's shoes it's not just like devaluing how you're feeling yeah, it's yeah. not saying that oh your feelings are wrong it's like no there's duality in it both people can be right yeah in both or both people can yeah. be wrong yeah. like there is there doesn't have to be a right or a wrong it's can be okay this made me feel this way and it could make you feel a completely different way and neither one is right and wrong yeah because each one of you are processing the situation through a different lens yeah but being able and willing to see both sides yeah. yeah for sure yeah that'll help i would say admitting when you're wrong not expecting the other person to see when they're wrong um mm. <laughs> you yeah, know not like you can't control it. others yeah not needing that confirmation of like and if you're in a relationship with someone like this like if you plan on having a successful marriage and it's going to be you got to kind of play the long game you know 
like we got kids right now they're the focus and like all those country songs that say like you find your wife again when the kids go off to school and you're happier than ever like I feel like we'll be at a great point by then and Mm -hmm. yeah like uh that song we heard on the way here it said love is hard but loneliness is even harder yeah Mm. you know so like it gives us your heart it gives us something to work at and keeps life interesting I keep them on his toes it's gonna be (laughs) worth it and I think that that's a good thing too because love you babe for me in my other marriage even though that this was happening I was so lonely in my marriage so you can be there too right yeah like and if you're there um you don't have to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier to be lonely, you know? There's less to worry about. Like, you might think you're fine. Yeah. Uncomfortable there, you know? Yeah. But it's not. But you, you choose know? your heart. And right now we choose our kids and our family and the big picture of our life and our dreams that we have. Yeah. So just remember, you think the kids are hard, you're even harder. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> We're going to thank Daddy Dill for coming because this was a big deal. He was nervous. I was nervous. And this is obviously a very vulnerable topic, but we're very appreciative to hear his point of view and how he deals because I feel like it is important and I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I do without his support. Obviously, um, plays a huge role in the situation. So thanks, babe. We love you. You got yes. big fan. You got big fans out here. <laughs> big fans. Big fans. One hand on the heart, one hand on the belly. Really take big exhale, expel the energy out. Inhale, lift up, rise up, fill up. Exhale, just let that shit go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to what we have to say. It means the world. As always, we want to end this episode by reminding you that we are not medical professionals and we are not giving any type of medical advice. We are simply sharing our experience and solutions. We are here with the intentions of reminding you that you are never alone and that everyone's healing journey is unique to the individual. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms to stay updated. Stay well, sacred rebels. See you next time.